the last Sunday of 2019. Can you believe it? Uh, every once in a while I scroll through Facebook and, uh, of course, I just do it for the laughs mostly. And uh, one of the things that I saw yesterday is just a reminder that the 20s are starting in just a few days. So when you think of the roaring 20s of the 1900s, I thought, wow, that's just crazy. I'll be able to tell my great-grandkids, we live through the 20s. <laughs> that's be crazy. Uh, today I'm going to do something a little bit different than I normally do. Um, if you're a guest with us, uh, I uh, normally, and everyone else that speaks, normally talks out of the Scripture, and we unpack the Scripture and learn about God and get motivated and encouraged, strengthened, our knowledge increased and those kind of things. But today, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Uh, I'm going to talk uh, about us as a church, um, where we're at, where we've been, where we're going. Because I think it's really important. I mean, I, I, uh, yes, it's, it's, it's one of those times of the year where we just stop and we take inventory. And we reflect on the year. I hope that you're taking some time to reflect on what your year was like. And I think I remember uh, Brian, who was the senior leader here before me. He was a lead pastor. He's, I remember a couple times at the end of the year him saying, I'm never going to have another year like I just had. I'm going to grow this next year. You know, I didn't grow enough this last year. So I'm going to set a goal to grow, to change, whatever it is. It's why we do New Year's resolutions and those kind of things. But uh, I also think that you know it's important once in a while for... Uh, all of us to recalibrate and go, why are we doing what we do? Why do we gather here on Sunday? What's your part in that? What's my part? I think sometimes it's helpful for me or any one of the elders or other ministry leaders here to be able to share some of their own perspectives and their own heart about where is the church? How are things really going behind the scenes? What is, what's some of the thinking and the philosophy and the whys behind why we do what we do? So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to go back through 2019 uh, in order to celebrate some of the wins, some of those significant things in my own mind that are very important, um, and hopefully through that then communicate some vision and encouragement and reminders to us about why we gather and do this. Why are we making the decisions we make? Why do we do things the way we do them? Because I think it's important for all of us to be uh, on the inside of that understanding um, let's pray. Father, we're so glad that you have breathed your spirit into us, or that we have you with us all the time. And Father, uh, I am totally dependent upon you, Lord, this morning and as every day, Lord, but I am dependent on you, Lord, to help me communicate today and, and really um, not just to get some of my own heart out, but to get your heart out. Of, of this message today, Lord. So, Father, I pray that you'd lead me and guide me. Lord, I pray that we'd all be motivated and encouraged some way. Lord, I pray that everyone would be able to see themselves in this bigger picture somewhere, playing a part and being a part of your kingdom. So, Father, I pray that you'd lead and guide us today as we celebrate what you've done amongst us in this last year. Amen. So, we want to, want to take some time to calibrate again for the year. We, we had a lot of things happen this year. Maybe you didn't have the greatest year. Um, I'm going to talk about a lot of celebration points, but before I do, I just want to acknowledge that I know it wasn't the best year for everybody. 
Um, we lost loved ones. We went through marriage struggles. We had catastrophes. We whatever, fill in the blank. We all had difficult things. We found out we had cancer and now we're recovering. Glad to see Robert with us this morning. Uh, there's so many things to, yep, that's right. And I'm sure for many of you, there are family stories like that, you know, and, and friends and things. And um, so I, I do want to acknowledge, yeah, I know it's difficult. Life is tough. There's a lot of tough things that we have to grow through and grief and, and struggles and falling out of man lifts and bouncing back, right, Mr. Schwabauer? It didn't bounce very good off the ground, but he's bouncing back in his recovery. So glad, you know, there's a lot of things we have to celebrate. There's a lot we have to be thankful for. And I, I want to talk about those, but um, part of my attitude about sharing this message with you, with you in this way this morning is, you know, we talk a lot about um, the church is a family. One of the five values we articulate all the time is family. And it's the idea that, um, I guess, to contrast it with things, it's not a business. Yes, we adopt certain things from wisdom, from the business community and the way we operate in different things. and. And uh, we can gain a lot organizationally from that understanding. But at the end of the day, we're actually a family. And what that means is, um, I, I, didn't, I didn't wake up one day and say, I'm going to start a church so I can get lots of people to come. That's not what happened. That's not how it works. And I thought, I'll make it a really cool church so lots of cool people want to be there. Uh, that's not it either. Yes, of course we want to be cool, but that's not necessarily the point. Um, it's more something that we are all involved in. You know, the elders aren't providing a product that you purchase. We're not up here trying to sell you something. We're not um, trying to just fill all the chairs just for the sake of having lots of quote-unquote customers. And I think it's really important for us to make that a very solid and real thought in each one of our minds because otherwise there's just a natural trajectory to just come and look and witness, to hear and take in and consume and then and not connect and not be a part and just go on about our lives. And when we get tired of the product that Mount Helena is uh, producing, then we'll go down the street to First Assembly and we'll see what kind of product they're handing out this year and we'll check that out. And then when we get tired of that, we'll go across town to narrate and we'll hear what narrate's doing and we'll participate in those kind of things. And those are all Good churches doing good things, but I think when we, when we, we want to be um, more of a family where everyone is an owner, everyone knows what's going on, everyone understands the vision, everyone is contributing in some sort of way. So part of my heart about communicating with you uh, in the way that I'm going to is hoping that you will kind of catch a glimpse of what ownership looks like at Mount Helena Community Church and, and kind of a, a stock owners meeting, if you will. To, under, to really have some ownership in what we do. Because at the end of the day, my heart is that everyone participates in some way, shape, or form because that's what the kingdom is about. It's about God changing your life, transforming you, bringing you into a family, and then activating who you are within that family. And so that's something that really goes on uh, in my mind and I think the rest of the eldership team as we're contemplating where are we going as a church? What are we going to do this next year? What was this next, last year like? Um, I wanted to share a little story, too, with you before I get into this so you understand some of me personally. Um, when I first came to Mount Helena Community Church, uh, I was quite rebellious when it comes to God. I was running the other direction. 
uh, I was my own, I was God, he wasn't, and I did what I wanted, and I, I lived a pretty wild lifestyle. And, uh, but I hit rock bottom really quickly, I was only 20 years old, and I started coming to church, and my cousin Mike and, cousins Mike and Leanne invited me, and I started coming, and uh, got a hold of me there, yeah, I almost called you Leanne Schwabauer, you know, and you've been married how many years? How many? 26 years, and I still am stuck with your old last name, just like Jason was with Hannah this morning. That was the inside joke there, is Hannah and Nick got married, and her last name's different, and you know how it is when you know somebody by their previous name. It's hard to transition. And back in those days, uh, I started coming to church, and the authenticity of what I found when I came changed me. I thought of church as a place where people really had to be superficial, where they had to dress nice and look good to others. I didn't trust them. I didn't trust that their experiences were authentic. And uh, I found something different when I arrived here. And over the course of those first few years, something profound happened to me. I fell in love with the church. What do I mean by that? I don't, I don't mean just Mount Helena Community Church. But Brian and those around me at the time really started uh, putting their finger on my cynicism and my attitude about people and my judgment and my criticism of others. And they started to show me something else, that these are people that God loves, that this is something that the church is God's plan A. The church is how God is changing the world. The church is what God's building on the earth whether you like it or not, whether you have lots of judgments and criticisms about it or not, whether you agree with all the different types of churches or not, the church is what God's doing on the earth, and that's what he's using. He doesn't have another plan. That's what he's doing. And I fell in love with the church, and a passion started to stir inside of me about what we're doing and why we do it and why it's so important, that it's got to be a lot more than just a spectator sport. It's got to be something where we're seeing people raised up, equipped, activated, and released in all different ways all over the world, whether it be a very uh, simple once a week serving for an hour, or whether it's very, something very complicated like planting a church in another city, or going in long-term missions in other places. God is about the business of transforming and activating His people. And so you, you, as I talk about some of these things, I really want you to understand that my heart and attitude is I love the church. Yes, we're broken people. We make mistakes. The church makes mistakes. I don't agree with all the views of all the different churches. I, but I have a, I have a uh, influence here, and this is where I'm going to exercise it. But I love the church. I love what the church is about. I love what the church's mission is. This thing of making Jesus famous, of introducing him into other people's lives, about seeing that transformational power we talked about last week come out in people. And I hope that somehow today that passion comes out a little bit and becomes contagious to you because I want you to fall in love with the church. I want you to be in love with God's people. I want you to see the vision as much as you can and as much as we're capable of as God sees it. He doesn't just see it as a Sunday morning meeting. He sees it as his family, a force to be reckoned with on the earth that's going to bring transformation and his power into the world around us. And that's something worth being a part of. And so 
my heart and attitude is that you be motivated to love the church and also become a rooted-in part of a church family where you're contributing to the effort, where you're carrying some of the vision for the church yourself and not just listening to somebody like me talk about it, but something in you takes ownership of this people and becomes a part as you are called to be a part. A lot of what I'm going to share today I'll be sharing from my personal point of view, but you've got to realize that a lot of it reflects the views of the elders as well. It's part of the heart of the church and the leadership of the church. So even if I use language uh, of myself, uh, keep in mind this is an elder team that leads this church as we go through it. I think it's also really important to celebrate. There's a lot of value in reflecting and celebrating. Uh, When we look at some of the practices of the Old Testament, even communion that we did last week in the New Testament, a lot of the purpose of that is that we are reminded and that we reflect on something that's actually happened. When something happened a long time ago, and, and you know, it just it gets, um, it loses its flavor, we become numb to the power of it. But when we stop and really consider it again as if it happened today, we realize how powerful it really was. So when we celebrate communion, we're remembering what Christ did on the cross. Well, when we're reflecting on our last year, we stop and remember how significant certain events in our lives would be. And in this case, will be in the life of the church. <clears throat> Last year, in uh, one of the big highlights for me was my trip to Australia. And what I went as a representative of Regions Beyond with a team of Regions Beyond leaders, and there's a group of churches in Australia that have joined Regions Beyond. For those of you that don't know Regions Beyond, it's the network of churches that we're affiliated with, and we do a lot of stuff globally with them. And I, I went and I had the opportunity to share just a little bit while I was there, do a lot of relational connecting and things like that. And that, that group of churches came in to be a part of Regions Beyond. They chose to join us. Now that's a significant thing in our expanding network as the churches grow and we plant churches and bring people in. Uh, the guy that leads those churches is a guy named Mike Irving. Mike and his wife Lynn, we had a chance, obviously I met him there visited him with him in Greece again in April, and then Mike was here actually just a few months ago. We didn't have him on a Sunday, but he came down to Helena and stayed a night or two with Janie and I. And there's just this relational connection now happening with us and the churches in Australia. Now, I, if that's not exciting, I don't know what is. Uh, why? What does that mean? That's cool, JR. You have friends in Australia. Nice job. I hope you get to see a kangaroo next time because I didn't this time. There's a lot more to that. God doesn't do things on accident. He doesn't network us with people for no particular reason. One of the things that excites me about our connection with Australia is that the Australian churches, out of all the regions beyond churches, I think are probably most like us. Their their culture, um, the way they do church, all those kind of things is very similar to us. In fact, he sat through one, Mike sat through one of our staff meetings, and he just kind of nodded and smiled and laughed, and we talked afterwards. He goes, that was just like my staff meetings. And there are a lot of similarities there between us and the church in Australia. Why should this matter to you? Because Mike does a really uh, good job with internships. They actually accept a lot of interns, usually out of England or Uh, South Africa. But what does this mean for us? It means you may have the opportunity, if you were interested, to go and serve and spend some time in Australia. Is that cool or what? Would that be fun? Anyone? 
I'm, you don't have to volunteer necessarily, but wouldn't that be exciting? Why? Go serve church in another place. This is why it's important to be a part of regions beyond, because we have these relationships around the world where we can have an exchange. And I'm going to talk more about that in a little bit. But just the possibilities of a door opening like that where we can go and serve the church someplace else. I am going to talk a lot about the global picture as part of it today. Um, and uh, I get, sometimes I get a little bit of pushback from people like, what about the local mission? What about Helena? What about Butte? What about Montana? Absolutely. We're, I, I think, I, I don't want to put a percentage on it because I, don't, I didn't look at it exactly, but the amount of time and effort we put into global missions is a minority percentage of what we do locally and here in the church, definitely. Um, but it is very exciting, and so that's, that's why I'm focusing on it. Uh, so we're continuing to establish this relationship with Australia because I was there in February. Wow, that in some ways seems like an eternity ago already, and it was only 10 months ago that I was there. Super excited about that this year. Uh, this continued development we've had with South Africa, uh, we've had a couple of different connections with the nation of South Africa um, in recent years. Obviously, we have a team going at the end of January, which, by the way, the door is still open. If you are even pondering that at all, please talk to Owen and Becky Voigt if they're here, or myself. Uh, it is a great opportunity. I know that we're going to start raising funds uh, soon, so I'll be talking about this next week more in detail, but um, funding to help us do the projects we've got to do while we're there. Uh, but also some of you have expressed interest in scholarshiping others uh, to go or helping a little bit contribute. So if that's you too, please be sure that I know that because there are people that won't even talk about it because... Uh, they need five hundred more dollars, and they don't have it. Well, let's figure out a way. You know, let's make a way. You know, there are people whose gift is giving, and and we'll see what we can do. But if you're interested, please, uh, please let us know. We did purchase some tickets this week, uh, but there's room for plenty more. Um, anyway, why are we going to South Africa? Why do we do this? Why are we making this investment? Uh, I met Paul Simpson. Paul is a uh, South African guy. Uh, white guy who's like this tall. Like what, he's, I don't very often run into somebody that makes me feel short. Uh, he makes me feel petite, okay? <laughs> he is huge. He was a national uh, cricket player for the nation of South Africa. He's an athlete. But God got a hold of his heart, and um, he's just about my age. And, and he had a heart for um, the, the native South Africans. Uh, there's like 13 different tribes or something like that. And uh, he started uh, planting churches and raising up leaders. And he's just become one of the most prolific church planting and leader equipping people I know on the planet. And when I look at different situations where it's like, uh, where, where you can look at it and go, uh, man, that's, that's it. And that's a significantly fruitful and good ministry. Paul, Paul really caught my attention. So we established a friendship over the last few years. I've been in a number of places where he and I have been at the same time, and we've stayed up late nights talking about uh, how we can connect, how we can continue to uh, help Paul do what he does. Because in South Africa, um, they have uh, a lot of people, a lot of uh, willing people to serve and all those kind of things, but they don't have resources. And uh, they don't have a lot of depth of education and, and, and that includes theology. And so there's a lot of ways that we can contribute. 
and financially is a significant one. Uh, I just want to detour just for a minute and talk about finances. I think we sometimes get sort of sick and tired of being feeling like a cash cow sometimes uh, for the world. Uh, we see that attitude in our politics, and we get that in the church sometimes too, where it's like, hey, we've we got to take care of our own, and we need to uh, fund things locally and all that kind of stuff. And I say, yes, I totally agree. Uh, but we're in a position where we have an extraordinary, unprecedented gift when it comes to the resources we possess. I mean, probably unheard of in the history of the world, the amount of education and money that we have. If God has blessed us with that, then let's put it to work. And that's not something that the rest of the world is blessed with. So to get in an indignant attitude, I think, about giving to the nations is short-sighted. And if that's what we have to give, then that's what we should do. And it doesn't feel like enough, it's not enough. I think we do need to be sending more people. I need to, we continue, need to continue to wrestle with um, how we can go beyond um, just giving to something we know nothing about to giving to something that we know the people. We know the kids on the ground that are receiving the benefit. We know the church leaders that are being equipped in other nations. We know what's going on on a month-to-month basis. And that's what we have within regions beyond. That's what we're establishing with Paul. So what I, what I foresee in, in helping Paul and other people who are doing a significant work around the globe is that we develop a culture where there's an exchange of everything between the two nations. I want to start having South Africans over here. I want to invite Paul to come be with us this next year. It's something I need to work on. And not only that, some of Paul's guys. Now, Paul would come up here and you'd think he was, you know, cute and awesome with his South, South, with his South African accent and whatever else. But if I had one of his guys like Leon up here preaching, a, a guy, they, they use the word colored in South Africa, so nobody write a blog about how racist I am. They use the word colored in South Africa to refer to the mixed race, the white and black mixed. And so you really have three racial issues in South Africa, colored, uh, black, and white is how they refer to themselves. And so there's tensions between all three. Well, Leon is a colored guy. He's got gold teeth, and he can preach to beat the band. He is awesome, and he's got a lot of faith for healing. Um, Oh, wouldn't that be awesome? Got got a friend in India, Stefan. He's only like probably 23 years old. I spent a week or two with him and two weeks with him in South Africa. And man, this guy... We, we have so much fun. He, we still WhatsApp back and forth, and he has his strong Indian accent, and I tease him about it, and he teases me about my cowboy voice, and he talks back to me in a cowboy accent, that's what he calls it, and he does it really well. I laugh and laugh when he does it. Man, this kid can sing. He loves God. He's so passionate. It's almost annoying, and if we could have him here, there should be an exchange. We're part of a worldwide family. That's what I foresee Mount Helena Community Church doing with all of these ministries to the nations is not just resourcing. Yes, we're bringing a financial gift. And you, know, our, you, may, you may look at some of the construction around here and go, man, what are we doing? But if you go to someplace like South Africa, we are doing really well when it comes to some of the different things. I mean, one time in Romania, we're, they got scaffolding in there in the church that I would not 
even go up one rung on because the whole thing looks like it's going to collapse. When we go to another nation and we do construction, you suddenly realize we, there's a lot of foundational and fundamental things that are given us in our education as we grow up and, and some mechanical understanding that is actually very, very helpful when you go to another nation to help out. Am I right, Mr. Sutimer? And the building products we have here, I mean, like, I could take plumbing parts in South Africa and break them with my bare hands, and that's not a joke. We have a lot that we have to offer to really make things work well and be helpful, but we've got to go beyond the material. You need to build relationship with people in other nations. What you're bringing to them is just like what you bring here, something of your gifting, something of your personality, something, something. You have something. Not everybody is called to go live in a hut in Africa for years, but we all can do something. We all can be somebody to someone somewhere. So what I foresee Mount Helena doing is is in these relationships, now beginning to establish a transaction of people and other resources and an exchange going on. So guys, this is, we're pioneering is what we're doing. We're pioneering into this. Other people have done it. And lots of people do it, but for us, this is a pioneering work. We're starting to go through doors that we've never necessarily opened before and fulfilling the prophetic destiny of Mount Helena Community Church, which I will talk about a little bit if I have time. Another thing about South Africa is that both Brian, who is an overseer of this church but also led this church before, has be, they've, they love Brian. I've been amazed. He you know, Brian, if you don't know Brian, he's just kind of got this fatherliness about him. This kind of nice guy, graceful. I mean, he can be like your dad and get in your grill if he needs to. And he has a few times with some of us. <laughs> but Brian has this uh, ability uh, relationally. And they've latched onto that. Paul personally has. Paul is looking at Brian and, and just asking him for that fatherly influence. So Brian is influencing Paul with things like, are you taking care of your family? Are you taking some vacation? You've got to be sure you're paying attention to your personal life. So Brian's really influencing Paul in these ways. And of course, when Brian gets a, a foothold in a place, he also then invites in Clem. Why? Because Clem is one of the most fantastic teachers I've ever met. And one of the most significant voices, I think, I'm just going to say it, I think in the world. The voice he's had with the people that he's had because of his gifting has been significant. So Clem has been sowing into South Africa as well. Same group of churches, these regions beyond churches. In fact, this May, Brian is going to go there and he's going to spend several weeks teaching on the prophetic and prophetic ministry. We believe in the prophetic. We believe God speaks. We believe some people are very gifted in that way and it's meant to be brought out to encourage other people. And uh, Brian's going to go in there and he's been teaching on it and Clem's been teaching on it. Well, Brian's going to go and lay some groundwork and then Clem's going to come in behind him and they're going to do prophetic meetings like we do here to where they can encourage and strengthen and comfort the body of Christ with a powerful gift that they don't necessarily use or is significantly, um, I don't know, all over the place. And bringing some direction in that way uh, is is very important. If those guys are are working in a nation, we're going to be working in a nation. It's just It's part of the heritage. It's part of our DNA and family dynamic that we would end up there. Why am I I talking like this to you? I want you to start to see yourself in these situations. See yourself as an owner 
in what Mount Helena Community Church is doing locally and globally. I would like to see us establish a culture where we do, the thinking I think normally is like this. Maybe once or twice in my life, I will go to another nation. Or I, and it's, it'll, be a, it'll be a great photo opportunity, and I'll go, and hopefully it won't be like I won't have to eat bugs or anything, but maybe I'll get to do that, and then it'll be a story. I just, hey, that's an all-American mindset about some of those things. And, and some of us, you know, you may never be able to go to another nation. I understand that. But what I want to what I would like to see happen in our minds is that the exchange of people and resources between the nations is common. That, that every year you're considering the possibility of serving someplace else. Not just in the planet, but hopefully regionally as well. Which brings me to another, another thought about vision. Um, one of the things that really stirred my heart early on when I was falling in love with the church, is one of the prophetic words that have been spoken for the church collectively and who we are. And if you dig way down into the foundation of Mount Helena Community Church, you'll see this as something that has radiated influence through, I mean, we're talking 25 years ago. And it was this image of a bakery and the smell of fresh bread drifting out into the streets. And people smelling that goodness. You love that smell? Walk by a bakery or a pizza place or something like that, you're like, oh man, it smells good. And it was a a prophetic word given that Mount Helena Community Church would be like that and that what we were doing would be floating out into the community and bringing that, oh, something good is happening. There's something good I can partake of there. But that, that whole idea of us being um, I'm trying to think of the right word. I want to say radiating smell, but that makes it sound bad. <laughs> where, where there's this, wherever we go, that there's this, oh, there's life. <laughs> oh, there's grace. Prophetic word that said, grace, grace, grace over the door that we had all those years ago. But that, that's evolved over the years, and it, it, it evolved, you know, we, we saw that, and then it built upon that block is the idea that we would be a resource center. Again, guys, we're talking about things that God has sown in our heart 20 years ago, that we would be a resource center, a place of sending, so that here we would gather people, that people would be equipped, that that finances would be gathered together, that vision would be stirred, and gifting would be activated in such a way that people get launched. Now, when I say launched, you probably think of launch to South Africa and plant a church and live there and eat bugs the rest of my life. But I'm, I'm talking about just a sense in your own life of being sent, that I am a sent one, that wherever I go, whether it be to work, whether it be to uh, where I exercise, whatever, that I have a sense that I'm a person on a mission all the time, that wherever I go, there's this smell of fresh bread. That wherever I go, there's grace and there's life. A couple of uh, other things this last year as I reflect. Uh, we had the opportunity, Janny and I and Jen Rebo, we went to Greece. We participated in the Global Regions Beyond Conference and got, you know, there was a lot of relational connections there. Um, just very neat to see that family gathered together. It was one of the highlights of the year for me. Uh, how about... Uh, 
the Philippines. We've had ongoing relationship with the Philippines. We didn't do much this last year there. Uh, hopefully that will continue to change. But Dale and Kareen Chafee, members of our congregation, they'll be, they go to the Philippines for several months pretty much every year in recent years. And so they'll be, they're down in Texas right now, I believe, and then they will be headed over to the Philippines for an extended period of time where our friend Jeff Pacina, Jeff and his wife Rowena have just a huge thing going on there where they're not only planting churches, but they're actually uh, raising business leaders. And uh, they have ministry to kids that are on the streets and those kind of things. And uh, again, I'm not telling you this just so, well, that's nice. Something nice is happening for people in the Philippines. It's like, no, these are our people. This is us. This is our family, our heritage, and something that you could see yourself in and possibly participating with, hoping that uh, things continue to develop in the Philippines. When I was in Australia, I made a connection with a couple named uh, Kim is his name, and Smile is her name. And her sister's names are some similar. I suddenly I forgot what they are. But she lives up to her name, Smile. She is constantly smiling. And Kim and Smile have planted a number of churches in the Philippines. They're a young couple. They're a part of regions beyond. Again, God making a connection, doorways opening. I think God, you know, I, I like to think anyway that, you know, when we read the parable we talked about last week about um, being faithful, uh, come and enjoy your master's happiness. There's also the concept of those who are faithful with little will be entrusted with more. And I think that's true even in our reality here. If Mount Helena Community Church is trustworthy with their connections and their resources and is operating with integrity and a heart of compassion uh, and a heart to send, I think God's just going to keep feeding us people. He's going to keep feeding us resources. He's going to keep opening the doors. And, and we just go, okay, God, help us lead. How do we do this? God, we've never been here before. We're pioneering into new territory. How do we do this? How do we become this vision of an apostolic center, a place of sending, a resource center, a storehouse church? All those are prophetic uh, ways that it's been spoken about who we're called to be as a church. How do we see that fulfilled? God, lead us. Look, there is no, I don't have a book in my office that say how to do church. And we just do it this certain way and it all fits in this box. It don't work that way. God is leading us step by step and situation by situation. How about the Amplify Conference last April? How many of you enjoyed the Amplify Conference last April? None of you? Oh, there were a couple of you. All right, well, maybe more of you need to go this year. Actually, we had a significant turnout, and it was very powerful ministry down in Missoula. And uh, Mark DuPont, who was um, one of the leaders in the Toronto movement way back in the 90s, he'll be with us again this next April. We're going to do it again. And uh, looking forward to that, it was a significant moment for some people in terms of receiving prayer and uh, worship and all those kind of things. It was, it was awesome. One other thing that's coming up this next May uh, this will be a blast from the past for most of you, uh, but a woman named Rachel Hickson is going to be joining us in May right here in Helena. And uh, we're going to host a weekend with her. I'm not sure exactly what all we're going to do, but back in the day, Rachel came, and uh, Rachel's got a variety of aspects to her ministry. Um, she worked with a man named Reinhard Bonnke, as some of you may know, um, I heard just passed away recently, actually. But Rachel's got a powerful prophetic gift, but uh, she came in, and uh, I think particularly with our, our intercessors, people that pray 
intensely for a lot of different things. And some of our leaders, she had significant influence with what she brought. We're talking uh, probably around the year 2000, 2001. We haven't seen Rachel in many years. She, she speaks at the family camp of Lifelinks, which is a network we were associated with in days gone by and, and things like that. She continues to relate to a lot of our friends. But we haven't had her here or heard from her in, in uh, probably nearly 20 years. And uh, looking forward to her being here in May. Other highlights, we had the Reasons Beyond Youth Camp. It was a huge amount of fun. Uh, fun. Participate in that. You know, there's, there's worship. There's a lot of activities that they do. Uh, the team out of Missoula, uh, Church Revive, leads that, but it's out up the little Blackfoot here. And, uh, our kids are developing relationships with kids in, in Missoula and Spokane and kind of getting some of those good experiences. And I actually hope that our kids grow up with a mindset uh, like I talked about, where they have an understanding that uh, I, I've actually been talking to my own kids about it, just sowing the seed in their brain. Like, what if, what if uh, in between high school and college you went and served in Australia for a year? Would that be cool? No reason we can't. You know, what about South Africa? What about, what if I go for six months? Jason uh, Harris, who was up here before, he went and served six months in North Carolina, and then he went and served in Romania for roughly six months. And, um, you know, that was a rare occurrence. We had a few people that did that. I want to make it common that we are constantly sending our best, that, that we've got young people going to the nations, but that we're also receiving. There's no reason we shouldn't be receiving young people or anybody from India and South Africa and Australia and the different nations to help them gain some different understanding of different cultures and learn. Uh, men's rallies coming up. 1st of February, and we had a great one this last year. We'll continue with that. Global Leadership Summit. Global Leadership Summit is actually one of the things I've enjoyed the most about the Global Leadership Summit, which is in August, and we host it here. We did this last August. We will again this year, is our connection with other churches in the community. It's been one of those helpful things that we can do. Uh, working with Life Covenant Church um, and Keith over there has just been a lot of fun. I've really enjoyed that, that that's been happening. And uh, we see a lot of people more and more each year participating in a global leadership. And it's also an opportunity for us to just, just have a small positive influence in our community. How about Lake Day? Do you guys like Lake Day? We go out to Canyon Fair, or out to uh, uh, Clark's Bay, thank you, and do church in this one Sunday in the summer. And we have baptisms. I don't know, should we take a vote? Should we keep doing that? Yeah, absolutely. We're going to keep doing that. We got to do it this last year. We saw baptisms and we saw baptisms last April. You know, people making that public declaration of, I'm going to follow Christ. And uh, so we're going to continue to, to see that this year. Oh boy, I, I, uh, there's so many things to celebrate. How about the mental health series? Did you like that? Guys, I continue to receive positive feedback about that the church would talk about mental health. And, and start to f- try and wrestle with those issues. I mean, it was, it was a lot of fun. It was very educational. It was challenging in some ways to decide, you know, how do you do this? How do you unpack all this stuff in a biblical context and all of that? And, and I, I loved it. I thought it was very good. Hey, we ordained a couple new elders last year. This year that's just ending. Jeff and Corey uh, joined the elder team. Very excited. I've been so pleased uh, boy, getting the five of us in a room at the same time, it takes about an act of Congress with our schedules, but what an awesome group of guys. And to 
bring Corey and Jeff on board has just really helped the dynamic for us as elders. You know, when there was three of us, Jason and Tyler and myself, if one of us couldn't be there, the two of us, you know, what are we going to do, you know? Now we got five guys. We have some flexibility with that. It's, it's, I'm very blessed by that. I, that's a big win to me to be able to do that. One of the things we're working on significantly right now and have been since we went to two services is, the, is what we call a development process. And when I look at the church and, and we talk about this idea that I don't just want butts in seats and then that's the metric by which we measure success. Numbers are very important. It is a way of looking at things. It's one of the things we're very serious about, um, you know, looking at the numbers and seeing trends that we see because we want to use that to our advantage. But at the end of the day, we are called to make disciples. Jesus said, for all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey all the things that I've been teaching you, and surely I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. So, we are called to make disciples, and so just to let you behind the curtain in my mind, that's always in there. And, I, and when we, you know, we get into things and we start doing different things, and at the end of the, sometimes you just got to zoom out and go, okay, but are we accomplishing what we were commissioned to do? Are we taking people from non-believer to believer to being connected with us and activated amongst us and eventually leading amongst us? Okay? So we, we, we're always kind of zooming out and looking at everything we do, and, and this is a kind of our latest, I guess metric is the word, I don't know, it's not metric, it'd be the filter, the, the way of evaluating and, and, so, and looking at the different things we do. So are we informing people? Are we informing them that we're here, that we're offering things that they can attend, just entry-level stuff where people can come to church or make a connection in some way? Call that inform. Well, we got things like website. By the way, we're, off, we're at the number one website often. Uh, probably one of, when I ask people, what brought you here? Regularly, by far, the number one answer is your website. Now, it's hard to believe for some of us that started out life without the internet, and now it drives everything we do. We're like, really, that many people? Yes, it is easily the number one thing that people, because they're not going to just come here cold turkey. You guys might be really weird. So they look on the internet to make sure we're not really weird, and they're sorely disappointed. We're still weird when they get here, but whatever. Well, it's a great, it's a, it's a way of informing the public that we're here and we're offering something. But we want to do more than that. We want to help people believe. So it's like, okay, are we being responsible and good stewards by helping people believe? Well, Jason's been doing a thing called Starting Point. It's helping people understand faith and get connected with salvation and who Jesus Christ is and all of those kind of things. Are we doing that? Uh, are people connecting? One of the biggest benefits of small group ministry is that it's an opportunity for people to connect. Guys, we need small group leaders every cycle. Not just because we need something to do, but because others need a place to connect. They need a place to build friendships, build relationships, and have influence and also receive influence from others. It's why we do small groups. We don't just do it because it's a tradition or because it's a sacred cow in the church. We do it because it serves a great purpose in helping people connect with other Christians and be strengthened and encouraged. It's very significant. So we want to inform. We want to believe. We want to help people believe. We want to help them connect. Okay, we're doing those first few steps in that discipleship process, helping people go from non-believer to mature believer in some way. Are we, are we doing that? Discipleship is really what this is all about. People becoming followers 
and following Christ. Why do we preach every Sunday? Why? So to help you continue to follow Christ in whatever way we can. But we want to go beyond that. We want to see people activated. I think a lot of discipleship processes stop there. As long as you're coming on a regular basis to church, that's good enough. But that's not good enough. Uh, Not to put any pressure on you, (laughs) but I think there's always room for people to be activated. I think everybody should be activated, even if it's in the smallest way. And I know you guys are really busy with stuff in the community and with your families, and I totally get it. I, 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 uh, I understand that totally. But I think in some way we ought to all be activated in the body of Christ. We're all called to be. It's a priority. It's more important than your football games this afternoon. It's more important than a lot of your hobbies. It's more important than all of your hobbies. <laughs> okay, okay, family, yes. Family should be a priority to you. But the body of Christ should be right up there. And that we be activated and seeing that hope and that good news extended. Anyway, so discipleship, and so we continue to work on this, and so you're going to see a couple new curriculums come out this year that we've been working on. Uh, One of them is uh, Cassie Shirley, who has been on staff with us. Uh, Her her temporary staff position is now over a year, Uh, but she's been working on a number of projects. And while she's finished up her master's degree in organizational leadership, she put a curriculum together for us to help develop leaders. Just a, just a, uh, it'll probably be a six to eight week course and um, it's a nice workbook and she just did this awesome job. And we got Brandon Friedis and Corey Swanson working on a, a um, Bible basics type curriculum. And so we just want to, as a church, kind of behind the scenes, when, when I evaluate all this, I go, are people growing? Are they becoming more mature? Are they drawing closer to God? Are their relationships with him growing? And so we're always wrestling with how do we help people do that? How do we help them grow? And so that whole development process concept is a major part of what's driving some of the gears underneath what's going on around here is we want to make disciples. We want to be good stewards with with all of the people and the resources that we have. Hey, we went to two services this year. Yeah. I just, again, I can't say enough how thankful I am to my staff and to the switch team, the group of people that, that just brainstormed and had meetings and agonized over the different ways to go about doing things so that it would be a success. And we, don't, we didn't go to two services to be cool. We, went to make, we did it to make more room. And not just room for people to take up seats, but more room for leaders, for more rooms for serving opportunities, for more room to see your gift activated amongst us. Um, Again, the numbers aren't just about, you know, filling the seats. It's about people being activated and becoming a part, an active part of the body of Christ. And so I just, uh, it's been awesome. I want to tell you, um, at the end of last year, our average attendance on a Sunday was about 280 people at the end of 2018. Um, When we switched to two services, um, and I will explain this a little more, but our, so our average was 280 at the end of last year. Since we went to two services, our average is 390. Okay, that's 110 more. Now, that's not apples to apples. There, there, is, there are some people that serve both and are in, and so our dynamic, our metric of counting has to change and all those kind of things. But uh, there ain't 100 people staying for both services, I can tell you that. That's 110 average increase probably closer to 60, I would guess, because of about 40 people that are 
um, serving or staying for both or those kinds of things. But you guys, I think it, it just, it's so encouraging. It's like God just keeps leading us in these little things and we take these steps of faith and he blesses us. For those of you who have been around for a while, we took some risks with our finances a few years ago and God has done nothing but bless us. And uh, I'm so excited about it. And that, I'm going to talk about that right now. And I've got to move quickly here. So if you have more questions afterwards, uh, let me know. I do want to talk about generosity. Uh, generosity continues to astound me. And I'll tell you why. Last year, between designated giving, and I will explain this, and the money we give away out of our general fund or sow into other people, the way we measure generosity uh, that was to the tune of $125,000 last year. Look around. Even double this. $125,000 was given to designated funds or we gave out of our general fund to other organizations or people. Okay? I'm going to explain that. First of all, what are designated funds? Um, in order for you to contribute to an individual... Uh, we adopt, basically adopt that. So, for example, we support Brian AC. And a number of you give regularly to Brian's ministry through us. That would be an act of generosity. We give honorariums and support to people like Steve Oliver, who lead our network and who come in here and speak. That's a, a generosity. We gave, we took up an offering in Missoula, um, and 10,000 of it came from Mount Helena. $10,000 went to Burundi. I didn't even get to talk about Burundi. Wow, I could talk about that for a while. Donna Bloomfield working in Burundi. We have a connection there. You want to go to a place where you might have to eat bugs, that would be Burundi. The poorest, it was seriously the, uh, the, low, the poorest nation in the world and is consistently in the bottom five. It is a tough place. And I, you lay, I laid in bed one night when there were these soup kitchens in South Africa and an organization was pulling out and they were going to be defunded, defunded, unfunded, something. And I laid in bed that night and I thought, could I in good conscience let all of that go and not step in and do something about it? Help fund these soup kitchens. In the same way in Burundi, they literally had no food, literally. And the organization had no money. And $10,000 from Mount Helena Community Church went to Donna to help her take care of those things. You guys, we do that stuff throughout the year. We did it for Paul in South Africa. They ran out of money in the fall. A lot of the promised pledges from regions beyond didn't make it. And they were unable to continue with some of their stuff. You guys, because you are generous and because we are generous, those people can keep doing what they're doing. $125,000. Uh, benevolence. We have a benevolence thing here. We have um, people amongst us that, you know, they fill out an application, they can't pay the bills, something like that. We have people off the street come in and be like, hey, is there something to do? We have an application process, and we figured probably somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 different people were impacted by our benevolence giving this last year. So it's just small amounts that go out to help in certain situations. In fact, we've had to declare that we are not a public... Uh, public service resource, whatever, because other organizations like uh, United Way and Good Samaritan were referring people to us. <laughs> and they were coming in and filling out applications. They were like, look, hey, we are not set up to be a public assistance uh, group. We're, it's really, you know, much, it needs to be <laughs> much more minimal than that. But you guys, you, you're generous. 
This, you, you are part of a generous group of people. This is a generous church. Generosity is in our heart. And in that, you guys, in, in some of the decisions financially we've made in recent years, we do not go without. There were months where we had a hard time paying the bills, and those of you that were around, I got up here and had to ask for money just to pay our bills. Now you are helping pay other people's bills. And that's awesome. <laughs> that is just worth celebrating. Uh, squim, we gave money to Squim. We took up an offering for the uh, global uh, offering for regions beyond uh, was about $9,500, I think, at the first of the month. And I'll talk more about that next week. 60% of our giving is online. 60% of our giving is online. We used to pass the plate, and some people still kind of wish that we would do that. And I understand why. There are good reasons to do so. But we did the giving stations in the back, and we opened up online giving. And without an increase in attendance, we saw a significant increase in giving. Why? We provided more opportunity. Anyway, that's a conversation for another day. I just wanted you to know that 60%, more than half of our income, comes from online giving. I appreciate all of your guys' support, financially and otherwise. Uh, the time of the volunteers, they're uh, just uh, Holly Dalkey is leading the children's team back there this week, and she has to step in and fill uh, a position that is empty. And people like that who are just constantly serving and stepping in and filling in those gaps, I just, you know who you are. Thank you. Thank you so much for your serving and your giving and your willing hearts uh, for all of you. It takes all of us to make this work, you guys. It's going to take everybody. Um, your individual time and your individual resources should be celebrated. And I celebrate you today, what you've done for my Helena Community Church. I think I'm going to wrap it up with that. You guys, I, I'm just so pleased. I'm so thankful. And I just want to um, challenge you to continue to participate in this next year. Continue to see yourself in the vision of Mount Helena Community Church in our future. God has called us to something significant. And if we continue to be faithful, he will continue to guide us and lead us. Are you excited about some of that stuff? Yeah. That stuff's exciting, and I'm so glad. Give yourselves a hand, would you? All right. Lord, we thank you for just an awesome year. And Lord, at the same time, it's so painful for so many people and all the difficult things we've had to go through this year friends and family members and all that stuff. And Father, we pray that your comfort and strength would be with all of us as we go into 2020. And Father, we pray that you would continue to guide each one of us. God, I pray that people would be stirred and activated with vision. Father, I pray that you continue to provide for us, Lord. We, we want to continue to work towards being faithful stewards of what you've given us. Father, I pray uh, for the fulfillment of your destiny over Mount Helena Community Church that we would be a force of sending and resource and exchange of people in the days ahead. Lord, I, I thank you so much and bless your name. Amen. Amen.